What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. Ready? Ready? This is Bird 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack. And join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! And a good mainstay Monday morning, Birds fans. Mainstay referring to the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. The first true week of the offseason. We didn't have a full week because the Eagles played Monday night last week. So he only had to go through Tuesday through Friday without Eagle football. Now we have to do the entire week, the entire month, the entire next five or six months. Uh, but there is surely plenty to talk about. You'll do so with the Mac and Mac guys for the next two hours here on Bird Street 65. McMullen and McDonald here with you. Uh, got a couple of good guests coming your way, so you do want to stay right here. J-Mac, when we left <laughs> on Friday, it was certainly looking like Nick Sirianni was going to survive the attack of uh, many an Eagle fan, many uh, an Eagle Nation guy. It looks like he's going to stay. There hasn't been an official announcement. So I guess that's my first question. Will there even be an official announcement? He is the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. Contract says with two more years to run out, he's the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. Do the Philadelphia Eagles need to make an official announcement that Nick Sirianni is staying as the head coach? No, no. Uh, typically, you don't announce, uh, the, as you mentioned, the head coach under contract is the head coach. You, you typically don't issue a press release to say the head coach. Now, you know, Jerry Jones did it because there was a lot of uh, swirling rumors around Mike McCarthy. So he came back and, and did it. There's no rule book that says you can't do it. But the right. way the Eagles typically do their business, they, you know, they drop a hint out there or two and yesterday's hint was as as good as you can get which is you know Sean Desai was fired and you know it was made clear it was done by Nick Sirianni so I mean you know take it for what you want but I wouldn't overthink it uh the head coach is going to be back um and you know you can debate it from there um 
I, I would say if they change their minds now, you know, the, it looks like a clown show. You know, you got you got a guy doing business firing people, and then you show, oh, by the way, we're going to fire him. You look you look even worse. So you never say never in this industry. And and again, people can wake up on the wrong side of the bed. And I've said it from day one. We're talking about one person, one person. And that one person can wake up and change his mind and say, you know what, this is a this is not the way it, I think it should be going. Um, but I'm, I, you know, I've been pretty confident that Nick was coming back, and it's even grown more confident uh, since then. Agreed, because if you're going to make a move, you need to be decisive about it. You need to get it done ASAP so you can give yourself as best options, as many options going forward as you can. The Eagles have not fired Nick Sirianni. It's been a week since they went down in flames to Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So for those of you who are clamoring for the removal of the head coach, doesn't look like you're going to get it. But you will get a new defensive coordinator going next year. Um, no great surprise here, seeing as Sean Desai was demoted. And they actually did say defense coordinator fired. Uh, okay, yeah, he was the defensive coordinator. Uh, Sean Desai, no great surprise, told his services no, no longer needed. As you mentioned, at least the way it was reported, Nick Sirianni was the one who told him that that was the case. He's no longer employed by the Philadelphia Eagles, which surely does tip the Eagles' hand on Sirianni. Um, Sean Desai did not do a good job this year. It's You and I both got to titter a little bit about the fact that, uh, yeah, that Cannon guy, I guess, wasn't half as bad as some people thought he said, uh, <laughs> thought he was. Uh, certainly a significantly better defense last year than this year. Um, I, I'm not going to make the argument that Sean Desai should have kept his job or should stay because the defense wasn't uh, good enough. But I'm going to share the blame. I think Howie Roseman gave him a lesser unit to work with, a lesser stacked defensive lineup than the one that the predecessor, who you knew was going to be compared to, uh, had a chance to work with. Uh, so I, I will share the blame when it comes to the defensive uh, faltering. And we still know, and I don't know when we'll know who made the decision to pull the plug on Sean Desai in the midst of the season which I have no problems calling it an abject failure at this stage, the decision to move to Matt Patricia. Uh, so I'm going to cut Sean Desai a little bit of slack, not enough to save his job, but uh, I'm sharing the blame over uh, several different parties as far as the Eagles' poor defensive performance this year. You? Oh, yeah. I mean, look, I mean, Sean wasn't great, as you mentioned. I, I thought a lot of the fallback on on the defense was entirely predictable. I thought it would have fell back even if Jonathan Gannon returned. I said it pretty consistently. You yeah. know, so I many clear seasons, uh, the sacks were not sustainable. Uh, that was a historic sack number. Um, so I, I thought part of that, even if they had the five starters and Gannon back, I thought they were going backwards. Um, that kind of stuff just doesn't happen. But it went too far backwards. And and part of that is, I, I would say more than not, is the personnel aspect of it. Um, I hate to bring up TJ Edwards because Clay Harbor, our, our buddy who's been on the show, did it. And he said, you know, 
he got a source who said, and I don't know if he talked to, he might've talked to TJ himself because he's in Chicago, but um, you know, Eagles never negotiated with him. So I, I said that the day he signed, it might've been the day after um, on birth 365, I said, maybe he just wanted to go home. Given the Eagles a better, he's a, a Chicago area native, grew up a Bears fan. And then, then when he got to Chicago, did an interview and said, oh, it's always been a dream of mine. Everybody's like, all right, that's it. He left because he wanted to go home. Not necessarily. Right. It's, not, it's, not, yeah. it's Chicago Sports Talk Radio. What do you think exactly. he's going to go on and say? Exactly. You know, I really wanted to go back to the Eagles, but yeah. the Bears were a pretty solid second choice. So that's why I signed. And I remember this, John. It was like less than an hour before free agents became. Yeah, it was 17 a- minutes, I believe. Uh, Boom, just minutes. done. He was a Chicago Bear. Yeah, That tells me he didn't have a choice. It wasn't like he was going to weigh the offers and try and get some leverage between the yeah. two and maybe run the price up. No, yeah. the Eagles didn't even have an offer. I'm always amazed, Jody. I'm always amazed. Somebody does that. They go on. If he came to Philadelphia, he would have said, and by the way, he told me leading up to free agency multiple times, it's fun. I, I'd love to come back. I, you know, this is the team that took a shot on me. This is an undrafted free agent. He said that in Philadelphia. He said the opposite. Obviously, that's not, you know, concrete. Pro- anyway, the Eagles did make him an offer. Maybe if they did make him an offer, he would have chose Chicago. That's still a possibility. I'm not closing the door on that. But it would have been nice to see them try to keep a, a really good player. And for whatever damn reason, and you know this, Jody, because you've been ground floor on Brock Purdy, who actually got drafted at least. Now, he was Mr. Irrelevant. He was the last draft pick. But, you know, people hold that against you. They hold it against you. They hold it against you. They hold it against you. They hold it. Man, they hold it against T.J. Edwards. They, they Three consecutive years, I had to look it up. Three consecutive years, one of them on the Chicago Bears, and weren't very good, by the way. Top 10 off-ball linebacker by Pro Football Focus. Three, that's a pretty damn big sample size. Yeah. That's a pretty big damn sample size. So forget the fact he didn't get drafted. Uh, it, it drives me insane. And you look at the difference between, and Kaiser White's part of this too, but less part of it. You look at the difference from linebacker. If you can't see the difference in linebacker play from the Philadelphia Eagles last season to this season, I can't help you. I can't help you well, because I saw Clay's report and there's a bunch of people in the comments. Who cares? Who cares? They stink. TJ Edwards and Kaiser White. Really? You're that obtuse? I I, I mean, again, I can't help you if you think that. The, the downgrade at that particular position, and I called it going into this week, linebacker, I called it linebacker week because San Francisco, Baltimore, at least on paper, the two best teams. They both have top-tier linebackers. And people are going to make a big deal out of it. And I saw Ike Reese making a big deal out of it and Jeremiah Trotter making a big It was the most predictable thing ever. Um, but righteous. You got a problem with either Ike or Jeremiah No, Trotter I don't have a this? problem with it. I don't have a problem with it. Here's where I am. And I've said it pretty consistently as well. The Eagles devalued the position but they took it too far. They took it too far. And then when you get a good, when you get a good player, 
you pay them. I think a lot of people forget Fred Warner's the best linebacker in football, the best, number one. He's a third round pick. You know, I, it, but he turned into what he turned into, and the 49ers paid him. TJ Edwards, it's not Fred Warner. I'm not sure, but he's top 10 in the league. There aren't a lot of linebackers better than TJ Edwards in this league. Fred's one of them. There aren't a lot. The Eagles got a good player. They didn't pay him. Oh, we'll just go to N'Kobe Dean. We'll go to the next one. It's a mistake. If you get a good player, keep the good player. In, a, in his prime. Look, it's a it's a tightrope, but he's still a young guy. Yeah. Um, You know, if you start talking about somebody in their 30s, the context comes into it, then you got to make more difficult decisions. But it doesn't matter. It could be running back. You saw Pacheco again, closing the game out, running hard, late in the game, seventh round pick. You know, the Chiefs drafted Clyde Edwards-Hilaire still on the team and still a part of things, but they drafted him in the first round. So what? Pacheco's better. You know, anyway, uh, yeah, they, they made a lot of problems. And then you go back to safety. C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Now he's been hurt most of the year. makes a big play. Uh, you know, he's just a playmaker. They weren't able to replace that. And even Marcus Epps, the steadiness of Marcus Epps, they weren't able to replace. And then Javon Hargrave, I, I can't kill him for that because of Jalen Carter. But right. four so of the used, five. He was the ninth pick out of, in the draft to get yeah. an unbelievable talented guy. That one I will at least say they addressed. The others they did not. Plain and no. simple. That's on no. Howie Roseman. And yeah. he is devalued linebacker. He's devalued safety, and they paid a price for it this year. And Sean Desai turns around and and pays the price for it with his job. Um, so we know that Sean Desai's gone. We know there's probably more coaches to follow uh, on Nick Sirianni's staff. And if he was told he had to fire Sean Desai, I guarantee he's going to fire the rest of the guys too. How he's not going to have to make that call? They're going to be called into uh, Sirianni's office. Um, so there are more changes to come. And what I would suggest would be both the offensive and the deep set defensive side. But again, reading the tea leaves doesn't look like they're swapping out the offensive coordinator that Brian Johnson has uh, survived the purge. Now this again can change as John uh, said in the first segment, it's one guy, Jeff Lurie wakes up on the wrong side of the pillow and things could change like that. But it does look like Brian Johnson's going to save his job or, or his job will not be taken from him. Is that a good thing, John? Uh, well, you know, that that's in a that's a deep discussion right there, Joe. Yeah, you it is. Plenty of time. I mean, you know, that involves the quarterback, that involves the the connection and the relationship with the head coach. That involves what are you going to do with the head coach as far as demands? Um, is he going to say, "Hey, look, you know, your offense didn't work down the stretch. Maybe give Brian a little bit more rope to do what he wants to do. Um, the, there's a lot of layered contextual things there, depending on who you want to blame. You know, I wrote about this on SI, uh, about the shift in the Eagles from Chip Kelly to post-Chip Kelly and accountability versus, versus basically collaboration. They've set up this collaborative process, which Jeffrey comes directly from Jeffrey Lurie, which sounds good on paper. It's a good corporate buzzword, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, only one guy 
knows who's accountable. Really, again, we're talking about one guy. That's going to be the theme of this show, and it's Jeffrey Lurie. One guy. Like, who's to blame for the offensive problems? Nick can point fingers at Brian. Brian can point fingers at at Nick. Jalen can point fingers at both of them, one of them, neither of them. Um, Offensive players can look at it a certain way. We don't know. We, We don't know. Jeffrey Lurie knows. So is he going to hold the right guy accountable? Maybe Brian did a bad job. I don't think that's the case. If you ask me personally, maybe he did a bad job. Maybe he did. Um, Then he should know that and he should have no problem firing him. Um, But he's the only one who knows because he set up this system. He set up this system where there's about 18 chefs in the kitchen. And, you know, Alex Tanny as the quarterback's coach, I think he's uh, a a big candidate to be scapegoated for a young coach. You can see some of the fallback and Jalen hurts his game and he's the one who works with him on a day-to-day basis. So I think he's a logical scapegoat candidate. Um, There's a lot of pieces in play and that's part of the problem. At least when you have one guy, you know, who's accountable. If Nick's uh, uh, the head coach and the offensive guy, and he should be accountable uh, because he is, and that's how we, um, um, portrays it, but you know, play calling is such a big deal with fans, um, and I get it, but I, I I say it all the time. It's that most of that stuff's done during the week, and then you got you got a menu, a cheesecake menu, and you and you and you got a couple options, and you go in that direction. The bigger part of coaching is teaching, and making sure the players are in a position. To where they're going to optimize things, you know, hot routes, things like that. People, there are no hot routes in the offense. Well, that would be the first offense in creation that doesn't have a hot route. That's up to the receivers and the quarterback and, and uh, even the offensive line understanding if there's an unaccounted for blitzer, that's the only time a hot route's involved. If there's somebody unaccounted for, then it's on the quarterback and the receiver to realize it. Site adjustments, they got to be on the same page. That's about teaching. That's not about play calling. That's about teaching. So whose fault is it that they're not taught properly at the end of the season? Well, it's everybody's fault, but who do you blame most? Again, it's a very layered, layered discussion. Yeah, see, you and I differ a little on this one. I think play calling is very important. I get it that you got to be taught all week, you got to be coached all week, you got to put a system in place all week, and then you're picking the right play at the right time. I think that's damn important. And Shane Steichen was outrageously good at it. And Brian Johnson just wasn't. I know this won't be popular, but uh, I think the biggest problem this offseason, and here's where Sirianni could have gotten fired. And I don't know this, but I believe this. I think he was the one who green-lighted Jalen to have as much control of the offense as he did. That Jalen was doing that much more checking out of plays and freelancing. As was that was that how uh, AJ Brown described? Uh, he didn't use the word Seattle? freelancing. He used the he. Uh, oh, uh, I what was the forget. word he used? I'll look I, it up. It, it seems to be freelancing to me, but they did a hell of a lot of that this year. And I don't remember them doing all that much of it last year with Shane Steichen calling the plays. So not only do I think the play calling was poor, I think it was a in 2020 hindsight, 
I might not have said this at the beginning of the year, so I'd have to admit to it and call it 2020 hindsight. I think they gave Jalen too much control of the offense. Now, I know they also gave him a $250 billion contract. And if you're going to make that kind of uh, financial decision, the decision of how much power you're going to give him on the field, it's kind of got to go hand in hand with it. But improvised, then, by the way. Is the improvised, word. not freelance. Thank you very yeah. much for the correction. Um, yeah, that's that to me was a big part of the uh, the offense taking a pretty significant yeah, I, step backwards. I'll tell you why. You know, I've 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 explained, I think, pretty well. Maybe not. I've I've explained most most plays have a kill option. Um, you know, pass to run, run the pass. There's a couple uh options baked in for the quarterback. Now the Eagles right, have let me let me at least put this out there first. When you have a kill option, there's option A and there's option B. You're putting him in a specific order, A above B. You can kill A to get to B, yes. but the call coming in is not a and A, and you pick which A. No, there's an A and there's a B. So no, when you yeah, do the you kill can thing, run, you're going yeah. to the second. What was perceived to be when the call comes in from the offense quarter, this should be the best play to work, and then the defense can dictate you to go to option B. Yeah, and that's basically the math equation that the modern NFL has become. You look at the box and you say, all right, this is not a good look. It might be a run play. This is not a good look. we got to kill it to, a, to the pass play right. option. Um, so, you know, that, none of that has changed from Shane to Brian Johnson or, uh, year to year. Now, year to year, you should improve. You should grow a little bit. You should be able to do a little bit more. And that's any quarterback at the line of scrimmage. So there's a constant involvement, but that particular play in Seattle, the, the check to, um, the, the, the deep route to AJ Brown, Eagles do that all the time. It's a lot of times it's successful. Nobody cares. They checked. Chandler checked. A.J. Brown goes deep. Bang. Big play or touchdown. Successful. In that particular instance, I, I said Seattle won the game on the same play. On the same play on their side. Won the game on the same play. Better throw. Better execution. One, but and ended up holding up. Um a deep ball, deep right. shot, and that took advantage that's of That's scary Gainsbury. because Drew Locke got it done and Jalen Hurts didn't. Yes. So at some point, you know, he didn't look off the safety uh, long enough to, to get, and Julian Love was able to get over. He underthrew the football. Now, typically, A.J. is going to at least play defensive back, and maybe you can blame him a little bit for that, but I'm not going to give it. It was a really poor throw. It was really underthrown. Didn't have an opportunity to come back to the football. I mean, Jalen's a part of this, too. He really is. He is. And I know some Eagle fans don't want to hear that because they know they're committed to Jalen. There's no discussion about are they moving off Jalen Hurts and going in a different direction. He is here. He is their $250 million man. A little thing that people kind of forget. He's still on his rookie contract. Uh, the extension that they did doesn't start until 2024. So you know that uh, Jalen Hurts is going to be part of it. So you just have to hope that uh, the problems weren't Jalen Hurts this year. Yeah, they were. Uh, he was part of it. Uh, it wasn't, uh, oh, my God, the awful play calling by Sean Desai. Oh, uh, everybody. No. Jaylen by the way, uh, also little plug for our old buddy, uh, Joe Santa Luquito, who is back. <laughs> on Bleeding Green Nation this morning. 
did a closer look at the 2023 Eagles historic collapse. Um, I'd encourage everybody to read it. Um, did a lot of work on it. I know I've been talking to him about it and it was coming for a while and it uh, does a good job laying out some of the issues that went on down the stretch of, uh, of the Eagles season. So, all right. So I got to get the bleeding green nation. I will do that before uh, the morning comes and goes. What I have to do right now is go to break because I see in our green room that our friend, Mr. Monday morning, Jeff Kerr from CBSSports.com is going to jump in. We'll talk mostly Eagles with him, but also the weekend that was in the NFL. Linebacker you moving on with both San Francisco and uh, the uh, Ravens. And, oh, by the way, that Mahomes guy can win on the road. Yeah, I know you got to do certain things before you say you can do certain things. Well, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, the dirtiest words in Buffalo, Jody. Wide right. Wide yeah. right. Tyler Bass. Uh, yeah, that, that one one stung, Bills fans. Sorry to say. All right, he's McMullen. I'm McDonald. You got Mac and Mac, Bird Street 65. Jeff Kerr, CBSSports.com next. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money. 
in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Mac guys, McMullen and McDonald here with you on Bird Street 65. Lucky to have our Monday morning guy, Jeff Kerr, joining us. JK, here's where I want to start with you. Is Matt Patricia going to be the defensive coordinator of the Atlanta Falcons this year? <laughs> that's assuming Bill Belichick's going to get hired. Yes, coach yes, 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 yes. Which, by the way, uh, that's the only interview Belichick has taken. In an offseason, which two, most teams ended two weeks ago last week, there's been about... 4,672 interviews for head coaching positions in the NFL. I never remember guys just like they got him on a conveyor belt coming in and out of teams. the same guys, too. By yeah, the way, yeah, just same get on a plane, group. go to the next yeah. one, go to the next one, go to the next one. And Belichick's had one interview, Atlanta. That's it. What, what does you know, that tell you? You know, um, what upset me when I was in Baltimore this weekend, we were talking about this, and a lot of people were getting on Arthur Blank about. Why does he need to interview Bill Belichick one time, yellow, and two times? I'm like, you guys do know the guy's 84 and 103 without a certain quarterback, right? And Jim Harbaugh's available. So, am I right now? I'd rather have Jim Harbaugh than Bill Belichick as my head coach. So. There's a lot of there's a lot of Bill Belichick hate uh, going on, and I'm I'm just amazed that you know, no no offense to some of these candidates, but. Uh, yeah, I think there's a little ageism involved as well because I mean, you know, we, we've got two. Let's we've got two coaches hired, and 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 it's probably not even fair to point them out because Antonio Pierce uh, obviously was the interim coach with the Raiders, and uh, Gerard Mayo's been the longtime uh, plan in in New England and takeover for Bill Belichick. But yeah, I mean, yeah. We're talking about teams that fired Arthur Smith and Brandon Staley. I mean, yeah, this is the greatest coach. Of all time. Yeah, Bill Belichick is a massive upgrade. I agree. You yeah. know what? You know what, John? I, I was thinking about that. I thought the Chargers would be a perfect fit for him, but you know, he's never coached west of Cleveland. Yeah, he doesn't seem like a West Coast guy, but it, you know, and maybe it is time. By the way, maybe it is time. I don't know how old Bill's like 70, 71, somewhere in that range. Maybe it is time for him to walk away. And the, the game has changed drastically. But yeah, the the what the biggest thing the biggest problem I have with the NFL every hiring cycle, not just this one. Um, same guys. Just as I said, yeah. everybody's working off the same list. Where where is the and the Eagles ironically have had some success going off the list in the past. Andy Reid, most notably, nobody. Andy Reid was on nobody's radar back in '99. People forget that. And Nick Sirianni was basically on nobody's radar uh, in 2021. Now everybody wants him fired now, so maybe that's a bad example. But everybody's working off the same damn list, Jeff. Where where where's the 
Why do people want Dan Quinn so much? He was a bad head coach the first time around. Now you want to hire him again after that collapse. Now Dallas's defense was just as bad as the Eagles the last five, six weeks of the season. Uh, Atlantis interviewed one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen guys. <laughs> fourteen guys. Joe Brady, Brian. Let me let me run them down. Joe Brady, Brian Callahan, Belichick, Aaron Glenn, Jim Harbaugh, Ben Johnson, Brian Johnson, uh, Ezero Ebero, Mike McDonald, Morris, Antonio Pierce, who's obviously in law, Bobby Slowick, Anthony Weaver. Um, a little bit outside the box there, but that's a Rooney Rule candidate, Steve Wilkes. Um, yeah, yeah, but it's not a Rooney Rule candidate because once you've already uh, done interviews with five other minority candidates, which one is the Rooney Rule candidate? You got well, you have to do you have to do you have to do an in person interview. So uh, you have to do two. In person, did, did Brian interviews. Johnson make it down there in person, or was he? I do not believe he has yet. He's I don't know. Brian's all been all virtual, right? Yeah. yeah, all virtual. All three have been virtual, so he hasn't done a Rooney Rule for all the people that say Brian's a Rooney Rule. He hasn't done a Rooney Rule interview because you have to go in person to so, satisfy that. So point. let me ask you a question on that, and I know we're getting off topic, but if you're a candidate. And a team calls you and you're of minority persuasion and they say, we want you to come in. We don't want to do a, uh, a virtual interview with you. Do you tell them, no, I'm not coming in because that makes me a Rooney Rule candidate. Or do you well, show I, up I and go, to, all right, I, yeah, well, first of all, to use me to fulfill some kind of obligation. First of all, I believe they changed the rules. So the first interviews have to be virtual, I, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong, Jeff. The, the hats up to Jonathan Gannon and Monty Osenforth. They changed the rules this year um, because of what went on. So that the the virtual first interview is not not an issue. I I talked to Leslie Fraser about that when he was the Rooney Rule candidate, um, and I asked him. I go, you know, how do you how do you approach these things? You know, so because some people I remember at the time. It was uh, Tony uh, uh, Sperano, um, rest his soul, and and everybody knew Bill Parcells was going to hire him, and he was kind of an he, he was a Parcells guy, and uh, you know Leslie was the Rooney Rule candidate basically, and everybody knew, but he had to jump through the hoops, and at the time you only had to interview one, and I asked Leslie about it, and he said. You know, yeah, I mean, it's it's a typical decision. On one hand, you get your name out there, you become well-known, you become uh, on people's radars, and the other, you know, you say, this is insulting. You know, yeah. it's up to the individual. It, it really is. And in Leslie's case, he eventually became a head coach with, with the Vikings. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's up to the individual. Like, certainly guys see through it, no doubt about it. Um, John, speaking of, of Les, do you think he has a chance to be the Eagles defensive coordinator? Who? Leslie Frazier. No. I haven't I haven't heard his name. Um they seem to be more into I think they want a veteran guy. Here, here here's the problem too with what well, they're Leslie doing. Leslie Frazier would certainly be a veteran. No, guy. and that's why I'm thinking about it as Jeff. I hadn't thought about Leslie's name. I haven't heard his name, but they have Diana Rossini's already put out Wink Martindale and 
Ryan Nielsen. Ryan Nielsen. Yeah, Ryan Nielsen. Um, so I think they're trying to go more of the better and proven routes. But, you know, first of all, I'd buyer beware on Wink. I mean, he'd be the official defensive coordinator candidate of the Philadelphia Eagles fan base. If they could sponsor it, it would be Wink Martindale. But, you know, he got in trouble with Harbaugh. He got in trouble with Dayball. I mean, he's a guy who's going to be a pain in the you-know-what. Uh, so I, I would say buyer beware on him. Uh, but as far as the veteran part of it, look, the Eagles are a tough sell if you have options. And by that, I mean, it certainly looks to the outside world. And I'm not talking about the fans or media, but I'm, I'm talking about the industry that Nick Sirianni, the clock has started on Nick Sirianni. And a lot of people are going to look at him as a lame duck if he's not successful next year. And remember, successful in Philadelphia is a little bit different than everywhere else because you got to reach these massive expectations. So guys are going to say, if I got options, where am I going to go to Philadelphia to be one and done? So they might have to go for a less um, um, in-demand candidate, but it, it remains to be seen. They could do worse than Leslie Frazier, but I haven't heard his name to this point. I, I was thinking... The Georgia defensive coordinator. Yeah, Glenn Schumann. Glenn Schumann. They interviewed him last year, and they got to build this defense around Carter and Davis. Now, maybe he doesn't have a good relationship with Carter and Davis, but I assume he does because they had so much success. Um, that and and he's a young coach who would be a first time coordinator. That might make some sense. Um, but they got to fix it. I know that. And and my my one advice to my one piece of advice to Nick Sirianni: hire a coach. Don't hire a scheme. Don't hire a damn scheme. Yeah, yeah. Hire it, somebody. It, who's don't, don't go after the Vic Fangio type scheme. Yeah. But yeah. Hire somebody who's going to get in the building, look at what he has, and develop around those particular players. Here's where I'll tell you why I'd pass on Schumann. We just had an example of hiring someone with an existing relationship with a key player. And Brian Johnson and Jalen Hurts didn't work for me. So I just watched that offense go backwards this year because, oh, well, Brian and and, and Jalen know each other, quarterback coach and uh, now uh, coordinator. Well, I'm not saying that's the only kid. reason. I'm saying that's, you know, it's, it's a little the, bit of a It check. would be the only reason for me not to hire the guy. That you just watch it blow up in your face here. Why would you want to go back down that road again? If you're going to go to the college level, I'd try and go get Minter, who also uh, interviewed for the job last year. They chose not to give it to him, same as Schumann. So if you worry about, well, you turned him down once. Why are you offering me the job now? He's the guy I would prefer from a college level uh, over the Georgia guy. Just well, me. Yeah. Similar to personnel, I would say, don't scout the helmet. If Brian failed, doesn't mean Glenn would fail. But you got to interview the guy. That's why you interview guys and said, you know, if he comes in and he's a bad coach, I don't know. If he's a, you know, I'm not saying hire him. I'm saying maybe it makes some sense because of what they look for. If they like the guy, they might not even like do, him. Do they own up and say, you know, Denar Wilson, come on down? Well, they, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> We got to remember who we're talking about here. But they should have hired Denard. Uh, I think that's pretty clear. Uh, Yeah. Well, why why would you say uh, they can't revisit? Well, they could, but I just don't think they will. They brought Schumann in last year for an interview for the defense coordinator position, said, thank you, no. 
So you, you want to revisit that one, but you don't want to revisit Denard Wilson? Well, there's a big difference. Denard was here. Uh, Denard was an employee of the organization. Denard was publicly um, um, backed by numerous players in that the defensive uh, backroom. Um, it wasn't just Slay, though. Um, Schumann's coming in as a college guy. He's like, thanks for the interview. I mean, uh, he, he's happy to be here. Denard Wilson is a part of the organ. And you said, you know what? You're not good enough. We're going to go in a different direction. Plus, there's a lot of hubris in this organization. And the first thing um, they're going to, you know, people are already saying you made a big mistake by passing over Denard Wilson. And they did, by the way. He's in Baltimore, where Jeff Kerr was. And by the way, that team's stinking impressive, Jeff. Yeah. You know, I was going to ask you this, John. Who runs their organization better? The Eagles or the Ravens? Ravens. Yeah, easily Ravens. It's it's funny. Um, I saw Denar Wilson in the locker room on Saturday. I didn't get a chance to talk to him because, you know, the coaches were – I mean, the coaches walked past the media. It's, it's a quick in and out. But, you know, I, I waved to him. We waved back. It was a – you know, I don't know if you remember me or not from last year, but, you know, it's – uh, I'm thinking of myself from the Seinfeld episode with the Jimmy. I'm like, there's the guy. There's the guy who should have been the Eagles defensive coordinator. And um, he would have, and by the way, John, I said Jonathan Gannon, Denard Wilson, insert name. Uh, uh, it could have been Schumann, could have been Minner. They weren't going to be as good as they were in, in 2022 on defense because of the personnel issues. So that's part of it, too. Um, would have they been better with Denard Wilson? I think so. I think I, C.J. Gardner-Johnson might have been back with Denard Wilson. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Although, I think it was about money for C.J. Yeah, yeah it, it, it definitely was. Yeah. You know what, though? They do miss his swagger. Oh, on, yeah. on that They miss his playmaking ability. Um, and he got hurt. He didn't play most of the season. He made it, got an interception. Obviously. Every time he's out there, gets an interception. Yeah. Now, he's I'm not going to say – yeah, was it, it? It was obviously an overthrown or tip ball. I forget exactly. It wasn't like a great. It was a, play. It was a, it was a tip ball. Yeah, yeah, it was a tip ball. But he just makes plays. He just makes plays, and they don't have that in their secondary. I, I just That's love it. I just loved what he did too. It's like okay, I packed up my dog. I'm just gonna go hand the ball to Baker Mayfield. The guy shows no fear. You gotta love that. Yeah, yeah. he's 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 very confident. And himself and and the Eagles missed him, and that was a mistake. But he, that's why I bring up the Howie Roseman personnel part. And I get it; we're all talking about coaches. That's the big story because they finally moved on from Sean Desai. Boy, I why did they keep him here? Why? I, I don't get it. it. It's you know when I said in the CBS room last night, "Oh, I'm going to write up the Eagles firing Sean Desai." My boss literally goes, "They didn't fire him yet." So what does that tell you uh, about what they're doing over there? And he goes, they're not keeping Matt Patricia. And I said, no, no, he's gone too. But yeah, he's out of contract. They signed. That means they signed Matt to a one-year contract. Um, <laughs> and they probably did the same for Marcus Brady for those senior uh, positions. Did, so John, Mark- did you love Tom Palazzaro's report? It's almost oh. like his agent took the phone and just yeah. typed it for him. But God bless these guys. Same thing with Ian's, by the way, because Ian was the first to report uh, Sean Desai. And I'll I'll bring it up. You guys keep talking. I, I got to bring it up. <laughs> if these guys, you know, 
there's a price to pay for being a Mike Sealski trademark information broker. And you saw that price yesterday. I'll just right. say that. You, you are in part kind of dictated to report things in certain ways if you want to stay on that information highway. I agree with you on that one, John. Uh, you got it, or can I ask? Uh, I'm trying to get it. Go ahead, ask. Right. Um, let's make you, since we're talking about agent speak, let's make you short, uh, Brian Johnson's agent. Why the hell should you keep your job? <laughs> oh, that's a million dollar question there, Jody. I, I think I would say the head coach is a moron and this is his offense. And head coach, coach is still working. You I know, I know. That's a, down. I now, I would, don't look I, at me. Look at, a, look at the idiot that you just decided yeah. to keep as your head coach. That's going to do real well for you, Brian. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it's got one foot out the door. That's what it's telling you. And I, I still think, see. Yeah, hold are, on, hold on. Do you think Johnson wants out? I know if he's offered a head coaching job, he's probably going to take it. I'll bet good money right here, right now. He's not offered a head coaching job, despite the fact that he's done a couple of interviews. Do you think he wants out? I think he wants out of this mess. Um, you know, if he's the offensive coordinator and he can't run his vision, and you're seeing the results, another year. Of what this is disaster. his vision? What's what's Brian Johnson's vision? I didn't get that email or memo or whatever. I don't quite know what Brian Johnson's vision is. What did they not do this year that Brian Johnson wanted to do and would have been outstanding at executing? It? Hey, this is the only guy who I know that could, that made Kadarius Tony a good football player. <laughs> it's the only guy I know. It's, 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 it's claim to fame, huh? Yeah, I, I, and Kyle Pitt, Kyle Pitts all of a sudden can't get open anymore. So you would have to think the concepts he's running at Florida would. Translate to Philly, and I did not see any of that Florida offense when I was rewatching some Eagles games this past week. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's the part. That's the problem. You you kind of know you don't know what his vision is, but I but I can say he's very, and I've said pretty consistently, he's very well regarded around the league. So the rest of the league isn't on the. You know who else was very well regarded uh, regarded around Hank the league? Quinn. Dan Quinn. Not, not, and he's a veteran guy. At least he's had time to do it. Mr. Staley in Los Angeles. Very well regarded. Everybody watched. Uh, well, well, yeah, that, I mean, How'd that work out? Time. Arthur Smith. I mean, that's. Yeah. But I, I, a lot of people have said, a lot of fans have asked, you know, why Brian keeps getting interviews and, and the, after the performance. And I said, well, they think he's better than you do. That's, it's simple. They yeah. might be wrong, but that's what they think. Now, here's what Ian said. Ian, just, Ian, remember, just remember, John, this is the same fan base that I, I'm not saying a lot of fans think this, but there are some fans like Al might mention. Andy Reid's a terrible football coach. Oh, yeah. Know? This happens all the time. And and but um, getting back to the Ian. So Ian broke the story. Eagles coach Nick Sirianni is like a defensive quarter, Sean, coordinator, Sean Desai. His last, <laughs> his last sentence was, Desai is likely to be in the mix for other DC opportunities. <laughs> Where? That's all I was said. Where? Um, yeah, and obviously Tom did essentially the same thing for Matt Patricia, which you know to get the information you have to do what the agent wants, and you, they they want to. Now I don't think who the agents think they're fooling either, uh, because nobody's going to. Oh boy, Sean Desai is going to be in the mix for yeah, others. Yeah, I'll run it right to, right to hire Sean Desai, yeah. let me tell you. So I got fired after yeah. 14 games. It, it's kind of funny, but... Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. What owner is calling his general manager going, 
Wait, I just read Jordan Desai is going to be a heavy cat. How is he not on our list? Yeah, yeah. not happening. Stop, please. Yeah, but Ridiculous. it's part of it's part of the game. Those guys have to deal with, and uh, they do it. And uh, you know, I, I I saw Jimmy, our buddy Jimmy Kemsky, just was yeah. laughing. Palisaris was Patricia took on play calling last month under difficult circumstances, running someone else's scheme with a depleted unit. Quote, he'll be a top DC candidate. For who? Uh, it's great. All right. So let me let me put both you guys. Let me hold on. Let me put both you guys to the test. And I know the answer is already ahead of time. Neither, but I'm telling you, it can't be neither. It's got to be one of the two. Who's got a bad chance to get a DC spot? Desai or Patricia? Patricia. Oh, Patricia. Yeah. I mean, well, I take Desai. If Bill gets a job, I mean, even even knowing uh, Belichick may hand him the job, which oh by the way, Belichick had him running the offense last year, yeah. so I don't know that the love between Patricia well yeah and that, it, 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 same I, as it, it used to be my my better it should be a job my better indication would be Bill might give him a job because Lord knows what he'd do but I still think Patricia I mean yeah Sean Sean took a big hit and and it's the Eagles' fault and I don't think it's fair I think he, he wasn't doing a horrible job I've said pretty consistently. He had to learn. Sure, he had to learn on the job. I think he was done dirty by the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, I don't think he's a bad coach. He's they, a very they, smart they, guy. They panicked with Sean Desai. But they hurt his reputation as well. They they did damage to that poor guy. They really did. It it, it was, you know, yeah. All the other general managers out there, let me just give you a quick uh, tutorial. They got worse when they replaced him. As bad as he may have been, they got worse when they replaced him with a guy who was a Super Bowl winning defensive coordinator. So you tell me, what was the problem? Short <laughs> the side or the talent on defense? The talent. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. I, I, I still, what frustrates me about the whole thing is I'm like, oh, is Hassan Reddick going to get to the quarterback more? Is Josh Sweat going to get to the quarterback more? Or, I, I mean, John, you were with me on Wednesday. Jordan Davis, look how tired he said he was at the end of the season. Yeah. I mean, he yeah. admitted his body was banged up. Well, everybody's banged up. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, um, and a lot of people bring up Jordan conditioning. He's in pretty good shape for a 350-pound yeah, guy. But, a lot better shape um, than last year. There's a, there's a difference between, you know, being able to go 800 snaps and whatever he was at five, five something. And he's got to get to that level, whatever it takes. Can he get there? I don't know. We'll see, but that's a big part of the Eagles off season. Jalen Carter as well. Those guys are going to have to play more, uh, no matter who the defensive coordinator is, but you were in Baltimore, Jeff. So we want to ask you, I mean, that was a really impressive performance kind of took over, you know, uh, Houston hung in for a little bit, but then they kind of took over. I think they Baltimore was the most impressive team as a whole over divisional playoff weekend. Uh, who do you think was the most impressive team? I, I was impressed with Baltimore too. And uh, my big story from that game was, I, I swear I was the only one who wanted to know what Lamar Jackson said to that team at halftime. Um, I think Sal Powell might have been the other one, but – I must have asked about 15, 20 players. I got the same variation, and I was just hoping for I'm like, can I get the swearing? I don't need the, what he said. And a couple players said, oh, he swore all right. He came in there. He was cursing up a storm, just going nuts, and said, guys, 
basically, we're effing better than this. This team does not belong in the same field as us. And it's amazing what happens when a team can gravitate toward one football player who know who is the MVP of the league, who knows he's good. And right away, they what they were able to do to beat that blitz was, okay, first off, we're going to have Lamar run. And he did that. Okay, now we're going to do the short, quick passes. Okay. And, again, this is what I – a lot of Eagles fans were like, well, you know, they ran the ball. Yeah, they ran the ball after they threw the ball to take the lead. Then they ran the ball because they wore Houston's defense out. And, look, I, I was completely impressed with them on off, on defense. To hold C.J. Stroud to three points, to take away the deep pass from C.J. Stroud. By the way, he still got – his licks in. in I, I'm so impressed by CJ Stroud. It's hard He's to say good. in a, in a, what was the final? 30, 34 to 10. 10. Yep. 34 and, 10. And seven points came on a punt return. Yeah. I'm, I'm still, I, I'm still so impressed. He's so calm and so collected for a, a rookie player. He's more calm and he's, he's got more composure than 90% of veteran quarterback. It's, it's crazy. I it's love crazy. what Stroud's basically said after that game. Now, I expected to win this game. I, you know, and I, I just like the mentality he has and how he's not satisfied. And he said, really, only one team satisfied at the end of the season. We want to be that one team. And you got to give credit to D'Amico Ryans, too, Bobby Slowway. I mean, CJ Stroud already had that build in the system at Ohio State, but. To, to have those two leading you. Yeah. And and, and and by the way, the two losing teams, I'm so impressed with Stroud and, and Jordan Love. I mean, Houston and, and Green Bay, they lost, but uh, they should be very excited uh, about their respective futures. And Green Bay's really young, too. Uh, as They're youngest team in the league. Jordan Love is like a grizzled veteran compared to yeah. the he's throwing yeah. the football, too. He Brett Favre did at the end, though. Boy, yeah, that was did. a that was oh, a Brett yeah. Favre throw. That bad decision, uh, bad attempt. All right, last one for me, Jeff Kerr, is this is all important. Is Jim Bob Cooter the answer? His name got floated around this week as a potential uh, offensive consultant. The consultant thing hasn't really worked for the Eagles, but that's a whole other topic for another time. Is Jim Bob Cooter coming in to fix the offense, Jeff Carr? No. I know players that like him and have defended him because the Lions were bad those couple years he was their offensive coordinator, but no. This has Rick Scangarello written all over it. I am not a fan of that. Um, look, again, why are you putting your head coach in this situation? You're making him a lame duck head coach. It's just, yeah. It just feels like Doug's final year all over again. Didn't they learn? It does. It does. It does. And that's my concern about the coaching searches. Like guys are going to realize that. Unless Jeffrey comes out at some point and emphatically states, um, and I, I don't even know if that works because it's more about actions than words at this stage, and it's pretty clear. Like it was weird, even even, you know, as I said, Ian broke the report, and a bunch of us confirmed it, and it was made very clear to us that this was a Nick Sirianni decision. And I'm like, why are they emphasizing that this is a Nick Sirianni decision? The only thing I can come up well, there's a couple reasons. One, they want to they want to highlight to other people that oh, Nick's making the decisions. He's not a lame duck. He's he's back. And the other is 
oh, if we fire Nick Sirianni, we could say, Nick's been doing this. He's been roguing while I'm thinking. Um, it's bizarre the way they handle these things. And it does have a Doug Peterson tint to it. It really does. It's it Honestly, it just sucks. Like, if you're a fan of the franchise, it just completely sucks. You might have to go through this all over again. And I, I just love how people um, were slamming our buddy at Kratz on Saturday, which I thought was a really good tweet about Harbaugh. This is the result of being patient with him. And fans were like, oh, you know, 11 years between AFC championship games, you know, that, that's pretty embarrassing. And I'm like, um, <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry, uh, the Ravens win, like, every single year. You guys yeah. know this, right? Like, they're a bad year. And they're like, oh, Harbaugh's never had a collapse like Nick did. I'm crazy. like, just, just had one two years ago. It's crazy. It's, it's crazy. The expectations derailed this team. It, it is crazy. It, and it's not just Philadelphia. It's more pronounced in Philadelphia. And I do blame Sam Hickey. I, I, you know, we got this whole generation that is championship or nothing. Nothing. Nothing else matters. Nothing. Playoff appearances. Well, talk playoff to my dad, who was four when the Eagles won the championship in 1960. You got people crying yeah. in Detroit because they won a playoff yeah, game. Exactly. It's, you know, it's like my dad always jokes. You're not a true Eagles fan until you watch 16 years of no playoffs. Nothing. Yeah. And he said that he said, you guys are so spoiled. Uh, like the fan base today is so spoiled. Like he, he takes a playoff berth. He don't even give a crap. It's yeah. just based on what he grew up with. But it is what it is. And I know there are probably a lot, a lot of longtime Eagles listeners who they take they're satisfied with their Super Bowl. I mean, they yeah, obviously you want more because everybody wants more in life. But it's I mean, look, the Lions didn't win two playoff games in a season. This is the first time since yeah, so, no, since, since 1957 is the last time they won two. Oh, well, games. one. Two. Two. Oh, yeah, gotcha. two. Gotcha. Dan Campbell is second all time in playoff wins. In <laughs> Dan Campbell. Tobin <laughs> yeah. Monroe was the Lions quarterback the last time yeah. they, they they won two playoff games in a season. Good it's for Dan good. Campbell. All right, Jeff Carr, uh, are you going to be in Baltimore next week? Or I, you oh, oh, yeah. I cannot wait right. for that. You're heading back down to Baltimore. Hopefully, you can get you back on with us next Monday as well. JK, thanks for jumping in. Absolutely. Hey, guys, uh, what, what happens if I see uh, Taylor Swift or Jason Kelsey next week? Uh, how about Kelsey? Yeah, man. No shirtless going. You know, he looks like a retired guy. So yeah, he looked really retired of, uh, this week. Holding balls with the uh, Bills Mafia. And In fairness, though, he does that even when he's active. Well, that's true. It is Jason Kelsey. Yeah, but he got uh, some Taylor Swift. No, he, set, he set new heights this weekend. Uh, uh, with with the and th that's the enemy, and I know they're not the Eagles' enemy, but he's supposed to be there for his brother. He's drinking with the enemy and got his shirt off and climbing in and out of boxes. I'm sorry, he's taking his game to another level. You're By right. the way, he, he he showed his athleticism jumping in, in and out, out of boxes. Oh, <laughs> By the way, you, you know what? It's still been it's been 12 years now. I should be over this, and I'm not. The Eagles getting rid of Andy. I know it was time. I understand that. But literally, Jason Kelsey was the guy who told Andy Reid to draft his brother. What is that? I mean, I'll yeah. tell you what. Uh, Andy Reid, I don't know why. I don't agree with Florio at all. I, I, there's no reason Andy Reid should ever, ever retire with that team he's got. Yeah, yeah, the only Not thing as long as Patrick's there. When Patrick goes, I'm retired. Yeah, that's well, that's I'm I'll see you guys I, later. I, I'll I'll see look, you. Reed's one without 
uh, Mahomes. Um, so I, I still say that's what Bill Belichick is facing. The whole I can win without Tom Brady to shut Jeff Kerr up theory. Yeah, well, yeah, possibly. You, you well, plus, not... he also wants the record. He also wants the record. Yeah, what was he, 15 away? 15, Something yeah. like that, yeah. Something like that, yeah. Uh, Andy Reid might catch him at this rate. At least yeah. well, He's got a while, but... <laughs> Uh, Jeff Kurt, thank you very much. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you next Monday. Jeff Kurt, CBSSports.com, here with us on Birds 365. All right, run a little late. Um, about 20 minutes from now, we're going to have on one of uh, the better national writers in the country. You haven't had him on Birds 365 in six months. I didn't realize we hadn't talked to him since like August. Uh, Jason Cole, longtime NFL columnist, Hall of Fame selector, will be jumping on with us in about 20 minutes. When we come back, I still got a couple more questions for John on the fact that it looks like the offense coordinator is going to stay in place. What happens to the rest of the coaching staff? How is that figured out underneath Brian Johnson if he's going to stay at the OC? More Birds 365 coming your way next. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go Bird! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go Birds. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game 
and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. and McDonald, your Mac and Mac Freud's 365 guys here on the first day of the full week of offseason. And we got a lot of weeks to go uh, before training camp opens up. Can it get here soon enough? Uh, we shall see. Uh, a lot of moves to be made. The first uh, really hammer came down yesterday. Sean Desai, shocking absolutely no one, was told he's no longer the Eagles defense coordinator. And he'd never actually been told that. He was told he can sit up in a booth during the game while Matt Patricia calls the place. <laughs> but he, he was did, the DC. Man. He did retain his title as yeah. defensive coordinator while well, he lost that yesterday. Uh, so the Eagles are are making changes on defense. We know that's coming. And I threw this name out there. It was uh, certainly bandied about this weekend, John. Um, Jim Bob Cooter, who, Jim who, Bob. Was, who was the Eagle beat reporter who noticed them walking around the – uh, uh, there was a couple like, of us. I don't. I, I. I know Ed and I were there. Yeah. Uh, it, that he, he, we were in. It was the pandemic, still sort of in the dying throes of the pandemic. The NFL but, had not declared COVID over yet. Is that what you're saying? Well, yes, they had not officially declared it to be over. So they they had this big media tent outside the Eagles uh, press. Uh, office at the Novacare complex. I, I, it doesn't matter, but you could see guys walking in and out the facility towards the locker room. And we're sitting there interviewing Nick Sirianni and he's saying, talking about something. And he goes, talking about the offense. And he goes, Oh, there goes Jim Bob. <laughs> Just, and we're looking, what, what? And it had not been announced or, or said that, he was part of the staff in any way. So, he, so Sirianni did it. Sirianni did it. Okay. And uh, yeah, he was uh, that first season of Nick Sirianni. He was a, a consultant uh, uh, 2021 and Nick likes him a lot. Uh, and he, he went on to become Doug Peterson, ironically, his passing game coordinator um in Jacksonville and then he was Shane's uh, offensive coordinator in Indianapolis this year. Um so yeah, he's in the he's in the group. Is so he now here's my Jim Bob question. Is he like uh Matt Patricia has his contract just ended? If he's under contract in Indianapolis, why why would there even No, be typically mentioned? typically coordinators get two or three year contracts. So right. So he's, he's probably under- got a two or three year deal. But if you give somebody play calling, it's considered a it's not considered a lateral move. So as long as you put he's going to be the play caller, he can leave for a promotion. Uh so that would be the way that if they want Jim Bob, they could get Jim Bob because Shane's not giving up play calling. 
nor should he, uh, at least if you're asking me. Um, but I thought that was an interesting name. And the other one got kicked around on the offense. And we'll get back over to the defense. John threw out a couple names. I told you Minter would be my number one choice for Michigan if they could do it, which isn't going to be easy because he might be the head coach of Michigan. I know he wasn't the one who stepped in on an interim basis when Harbaugh was suspended this past year, but that's – not a bad gig. Uh, you got your choice between head coach of the defending national champions or a defense coordinator in the NFL. I know the NFL's the NFL, but that might not be a bad gig. So I don't know if they could even get their hands on Minter. Uh, but the other offensive name, which surely has been kicked around and is going to be, is Frank Reich. And he was the offense coordinator here, won the Super Bowl, goes to other places, doesn't get the job done as the head coach. I'm not blaming him at all for Carolina. He gets a complete and utter pass from me for the debacle it was Carolina this year because of that owner. Um, but we know that he's tight with the coach. Uh, at given the chance to say something nice about Frank Reich, the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles grabs it by the throat and absolutely puts it front and center, considers him his mentor, gave him a shot as an offensive coordinator. Any of your behind-the-scenes sources give you any information on how much conversation was had between Nick Sirianni and Frank Reich after he was uh, let go as the head coach of the... Yeah, I said it pretty good. Uh, Nick talks to Frank all the time, all the time. He talked to him when he was the head coach in Indianapolis, when he was the head coach in Carolina. He talks to him all the time. It's his mentor... It's his go-to guy for advice. So I mentioned, you know, people immediately said, well, bring him in as a consultant. I said, he's already a consultant. It's just how you do it. It's very similar to what, you know, there was that incorrect report about Big Fangio being a consultant for the Eagles last year, which was never proven to be incorrect until they hired him to be a consultant because <laughs> – leading up to the Super Bowl. Um, but the entire year, basically, he was just a friend of the program. Right. He went to the college uh, 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 term. And, you know, Jonathan Gannon would call him up and talk about golf and uh, throw some football in there, get some ideas and things like that. So that's sort of where Nick and Frank, but even closer, um, so where it was and it was more of you don't even need it to be official because he can call him at any time and do anything he wants from that standpoint um so i think a lot of that and this year um they did it with a special teams guy um and i'm forgetting his name i'll, I'll figure it out the former houston texans special teams coordinator was here in training camp throughout the season, wasn't an official part of the staff, but was a, a friend of the program. They do it all the time. It's actually sort of one of those under-the-radar ways that I give the Eagles credit for doing things that maybe other people don't think of. Um, so, yeah. All right, that, that aside, if you want to have him have a more defined role with the Eagles – and I would suggest offensive coordinator, pretty defined role. He's going to actually have to show up and be more than friend of a program. He's going to have to be on the sidelines with a headset, calling plays for the Philadelphia Eagles this upcoming year. 
Give me a percentage chance that that can happen. Factoring in, in the fact that they have not let Brian Johnson go, and it's certainly trending in that direction that Johnson's staying. If something comes down and they say, no, we it's just is it working, uh, and they have to hire a new OC, is Frank Reich any legitimate candidate in your mind? I think that has to do with, uh, and Brad Seeley, by the way, is the former Texans uh, special teams coordinator, who was a friend of the program basically all season um, for the Eagles this year. But um, with with Frank, I think a lot of it is up to Frank. I mean, what does he want to do? Where does he want to be in this situation? He's been a former head coach. Does he want to take a step back? Obviously, Nick would want him around. Um, I don't think the Eagles would have an issue with it. Although they tried to fire him in 2016, which people conveniently forget about. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't think the Eagles would have an issue with it. I think it's up to Frank, to be honest. Um, And how much does he want to do? And remember for all the talk about, and I said, he's, he's Nick Sirianni's mentor other than Larry Karras, his college coach, which he talks about all the time. Then it's Frank, Um, you know, what what happens when the mentor's got to be underneath the mentee? I don't know. That might be a little bit awkward. I don't, so I think a lot of it has to do with Frank and what he wants to do. And, oh, by the way, if he's going to have a gig, I want him to have an official on-the-record gig. Come in and be the offense coordinator. Otherwise, yeah, fine. You can have your two phone calls a week, and uh, you can mentor him any way that you want. I still think the Eagles need to make a uh, change in offensive corner. Um, defensive corner, we threw out a couple of names, veteran guys. I'm with you, John. I think they prefer to go the veteran route. The Eagles have had a history of finding guys and developing them and giving them a shot. But off the season that they had this year, I think they need to go down the veteran route at this time. Um is that going to be easy, an easy hire? You kind of mentioned it earlier about, you know, they're they're not the above and beyond, even though they're one year removed from the Super Bowl. Ooh, that's the best gig. You got a couple of things working against you. Sirianni's on a hot seat to start the year, even with two years ago on his contract. They didn't sink a lot of money into the defense this past year. You're going to have to make the hire before we ever get to free agency in the draft to prove, yeah, we learned we need to put more emphasis on the defense. Um, who is the veteran guy who could come in and reestablish the Philadelphia Eagles defense? Not named well, Wink I, Martin Medell. You're right. Because well, yeah, if, I, if I, the I, Eagle fans had their say, Wink would have been hired 20 yeah, minutes ago. But exactly. other than Wink, a uh, veteran guy who you think that they will go hard after? Um, well, that, just real quick to put Wink in a bow. Um, if you're going down that route, you're basically giving – him autonomy of the defense. There's no more of this, um, oh, you got to acquiesce to certain demands. That's out the window. That's Nick's side of the football, and I think that creates um, Wink's side of the football, and I think that creates more issues. That's why I wouldn't recommend the Eagles going down that route. So, you know, Brian Nielsen's a guy who's been a coordinator on, on some pretty good defenses this the Falcons uh, this year, the Saints was sort of co-defensive coordinator there, but they had a, a very good defense. Now, Dennis Allen's a defensive guy, so he's also a defensive lineman. People have made 
the connection that the Eagles signed him as a undrafted free agent way back in the day, but that's two decades ago. I don't think that has any relevancy. Um, and obviously he didn't make the team, but I just said, you know, to me, if you look at this team where it is right now in the future on defense, who are you going to build around? I got to build around Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis right up front. And if you still believe in Nicobe Dean, you can add Nicobe Dean in the mix. If you still believe in Nolan Smith, you can add Nolan Smith and Kaylee Ringo as well. That's why I brought up uh, the Georgia DC. And, and your boy Sidney Brown put him in that mix too. Yeah. But um, Nielsen's a former defensive tackle. So, you know, he should have an innate knowledge of how to get the best out of interior defensive linemen. So that kind of fits as well. Um, he's a highly regarded guy. People seem to like him. I think they'll have, and that's my biggest concern with him. He's probably going to have other options. And what does he think of this situation? You know, because he's a guy, it's a nomadic profession to begin with, you know, coaching. But, you know, he was in New Orleans from, I don't know, five, six years. First as the D-line coach, then assistant head coach, then co-defensive coordinator. And then he went to Atlanta. He's one year there with a lame duck. Does he want to do that again? I don't know. Um, so he he's a guy that's probably going to have options. Um, and I don't know if the Eagles are an option kind of situation right now. Um, but those are the two guys that have been mentioned. And I, I would say as much as I'd like to watch Wink's defense, and by the way, as a selfish standpoint, I'd like to watch it on a week-to-week -week basis. I, I think that's a disaster waiting to happen. I really do. Well, if you ask me today, right here, right now, and it's a fluid situation and it <clears> can change and it will change, you know who's the guy I would like to take a shot with? He he doesn't check all the boxes, but he checks some, and he half-checks others. A guy they talked to last year about the defense coordinator position, that's Jim Leonard. He's, he's not an experienced <laughs> NFL defensive coordinator, but he's a former NFL defensive player, so he kind of understands the NFL defense. Successful coordinator at Wisconsin – they fired the coach. They made him the interim head coach. They decided not to hire him as the head coach thereafter. And, of course, that uh, ended the relationship between he and Wisconsin. Um, I got a chance to both uh, interview myself and hear him talk when he was a member of the Jets. Uh, also comes from the Ravens defensive system, which has been only the best defensive system over the last 20 years in the NFL. The whole Ozzie Newsome setup thing. I think Jim Leonard would be a good hire. Do you think because he lacks the experience on the NFL level as a defensive coordinator, it will compromise his possibilities? Well, it's the same thing with uh, Mentor. Now, Mentor used to be, I don't know, defensive backs go something with Baltimore before he went to college, went back to college. Um, so he's with the Ravens for a while. Um, we mentioned um, the Georgia DC, um, yeah, it was kind of weird with Jim Leonard because he, as you mentioned, was very successful at Wisconsin. Some people even thought he might be the head coach, um, you know, elevated from interim. He didn't get that job. I think they hired Luke Fickle, who's a pretty big deal at the time, but, um, 
Then he was interviewing with the Eagles, and then he bowed out for some kind of health issue. Um, and he had surgery somewhere, and I forget what the surgery was for. <clears throat> and then he came back as a, I don't know, like in consultant with Illinois. So Illinois, yeah, this past. I don't, year. I don't, I don't know where he is from that perspective, the health perspective. I don't know if he couldn't handle a, a big workload, but I remember that being a big deal, and it was kind of weird. Um, and I have to look that up in our break, what exactly, but I know he had some health issues, still a young guy, uh, but he'd be in the same category. Then you started those three guys. You mentioned mentor. Maybe he wants to be the Michigan head coach. You never know where these guys want to be, but I would say the changing landscape of, of college football and NIL and dealing with these players and the transfer portal, most guys want to get back to the end. They don't want to deal with that crap. Yeah, so, but with Minter, you're talking about the head coach of the national championship team. That that's the difference. Yeah. If it's just NFL, college football, yeah, everybody's going to. You know who I remember talking about with uh, uh, PJ Carlissimo, who won a championship with Seton Hall. He was beloved in New York. He told me off the record, Jody. I jumped to the NBA in a millisecond. If I can get back to the NBA, I'd like this. I would make that move. Just easier lifestyle, first class, blah, 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 all that other stuff. And I'm sure it's the same between college football and the NFL as well. Unless, of course, you're talking about the preeminent program in the country and you're talking about a coordinator position, not a head coach position. Minter's not coming in to replace Sirianni. He'd be offered the uh, D.C. Well, that's another that's thing. I, I I would argue with you the preeminent programs are still in the SEC. And, 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 and Harbaugh puts them at this national championship level. They get over the top, and now the expectations are sort of like here, and they're probably not going to be able to keep up with the arms race of the SEC. And all of a sudden, you're not living up to these um, – expectations of Michigan. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't know the guy from Adam, so I'm not telling you this is the reason, but most guys want to get out of college because of NIL and the transfer portal. And if they have the opportunity, they probably, now it's different. Head coach is also different from you're talking about defensive corner versus potential head coach. So that uh, factors into it as well. The That's fact that he was, factor. The fact that he was in the NFL, and Jim Leonard had hip surgery, uh, pretty significant hip surgery. But um, it, it, as far as the NFL versus college, yeah, I think it and, – and the fact that he was in the NFL before tells me he probably wants to be in the NFL, but that's just pure speculation. Right. The, but the other thing you need to keep in mind, they pay college coaches very well. Uh, defensive coordinators don't make near the kind of money that a head coach is going to make. Except if you're Vic Fangio. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll, if, if Minter gets the gig, which I don't know if he will, they'll probably just hand it back to Sharon Moore. Did a good job filling in for Harbaugh when Harbaugh was suspended. The head coaching job at, at Michigan next year is going to pay more than Vic Fangio. Oh, I, yeah. Defense maybe half and he's the highest paid coordinator and it's going to pay half what the Michigan head coach is going to pay. Yes. So. Yes. Uh, Harbaugh made, let's see, I'm trying to figure out. He earned 8.25 million last year. Um, so he wouldn't make that much, but he'd make more. Fangio makes four, four and a half. So he'd make more than twice as much. Yeah. 
Yeah. But that's Harbaugh. He's not getting Harbaugh's deal. Um, but he, yeah, and, he would, and oh, by the way, Jesse Minter's not getting Fangio's deal to become the Eagles defensive coordinator. No, that's either. true. That's true. That's so, true. I'm just I, saying it at Michigan, he probably gets five, six million. Um, but yeah, if he goes, what are the Eagles going to pay their new defensive coordinator? Probably not four and a half million. So yeah. Um, nor should they, by the about, way. About half would be my guess. Uh, so that 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 is a consideration that Minter will have to take in. All right. Uh, we need to get a timeout in here. And then we hopefully will be joined by Jason Cole. Uh, I put a text into him to see if he did get the link to join us. Longtime NFL columnist and Hall of Fame selector. Yeah, I got an Jason interesting Cole. question I have to ask Jason, by the way. And I want to, uh, uh, we'll tease it as we're waiting for him because I want to answer. Uh, all right, we'll we'll take it after the break. Keep it keep it under wraps and uh, see if Jason jumps on in. Hey, Birds fans, here's your chance to save up to forty percent on car insurance right now from one of Jacob Sports' great partners. Here's what you need to do: call managing partners Jim or Fran and tell them you're a friend of both Jacob Sports and Birds Three Sixty Five. Hi, I'm Jim Muehlbronner, Managing Partner at DelVal Insurance Group. Give us a call. We're a local, knowledgeable agency, not an 800 number. Go Birds! Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit. And the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes go to get your parlay on go to get your party on go for the scene go for the screens go for the gallery go for the win go to ocean visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit at pond lee hockey we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients and we're confident we can do the same for you with over 250 years of combined courtroom experience We've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. McMullen and McDonald, Mac and Mac here on Birds 365. Unfortunately, we haven't heard from Jason Cole yet. May still yet. We got a uh, half an hour to go on the show today, so we hope to punch Jason up. But I wanted to talk to Jason. You know me and the history and the Hall of Fame stuff. So um, uh, I'll throw it at you, Jody, uh, because it was interesting. Our buddy Grant Paulson uh, from D.C., a friend of the show, he tweeted when Tucker made that kick early in the game. It was like 54 yards. It looked like so easy in that weather and that wind. He said, you know, and we all kind of acknowledge greatest kicker of all time. Um, pretty much laps the field at this point. But um, he, it, Grant said, anybody else playing today in the conversation for the greatest of all time? And I was thinking about it, and I said, I think Aaron Donald can reach the conversation. Um, but I don't know if anybody else could. Uh, now, Patrick Mahomes is on his way, but I, I just don't think he's played long enough to be in that conversation. And we're going to have Jason Cole up here in a second. Um, and then an Eagles fan chimed in with Jason Kelsey. And I'm like, I love Jason Kelsey. But no, he's not in that conversation as the greatest center of all time. So I wanted to run that by Jason, get his thoughts. As well, a, then let's punch Jason center. up and ask him that very question. Yeah. A uh, longtime NFL writer and Hall of Fame selector Jason Cole jumps in. How you been, JC? How was your new year? Uh, everything is beautiful. Thank you for asking. It's all, it's all good. I hope you guys uh, had as well. Except thank for the you. Eagles, we did. Yes, yeah. thank you, man. Go ahead, John. Yeah, I don't know how much you heard of that, but uh, we're, we're have one of our friends of the program, Jason, uh, mentioned Justin Tucker after that kick early in the game. It was so easy in that weather. I think we all look at Justin Tucker and say, this is the greatest kicker of all time. Um, and he's certainly in the conversation at the bare minimum. And he asked, and he asked sort of, what other current players would be in that conversation? I gave my thoughts. I thought Aaron Donald could at least be in the conversation. I don't think Patrick Mahomes has played long enough. I don't know where you are, but we're Philadelphia. So somebody chimed in and said, Jason Kelsey's got to be the best center of all time. I said, I love Jason Kelsey. And there I've got, I love him, but he's not in that conversation. Am I right or wrong, Jason? Uh, you're right. Um, like he's a great one, Hall of Fame. I haven't really looked at the case, uh, but I thought about it briefly when they talked about retirement. Said so I think there's a good there's a good argument for him in the Hall of Fame. 
Are we talking about Dwight Stevenson? Um, no, he's not Dwight Stevenson. I mean, um, he's probably not Dermonte Dawson. Dermont, uh, yeah. I I brought up I brought up Stevenson, Dawson, Dermonte Dawson, and you got to go back different era. But Jim Otto, I don't know, ten All Pros. I don't know what what Jim had. Jim Jim, yeah, Jim has a longevity. Stevenson was a shooting star. Dermonte has a good mix of both. Um, like Stevenson plays any era, anytime, anywhere. He's quick enough. He was strong enough. Um, yeah, Dwight Stevenson, and I know he was not a first ballot Hall of Famer because he had a short career, but th that's an amazing player. And D Dawson is probably the same way. Um, Kelsey's had a great career. There's no, you know, like. But yeah, it's not an insult. I said he's a whole so yeah, he's just not he's not he's yeah. not a singular talent. When you're talking about guys like who are the greatest of all time, they're people who modify how the position what the position looks like, right? Like like they do things that other people simply can't do, whether that's you know, blocking two guys on a regular basis, um, whether that's you know, pulling out and moving with such incredible quickness, whether it's getting downfield, like Kevin Mawai. Was yeah. his ability to get downfield and run after plays. And I don't even think Mawai is the greatest of all time, but you know, he's up there as well. So Kelsey, again, great player, not that. Um, you know, incredibly strong, incredibly and great in the point of attack, can a uh, point of attack can move downfield, um, as good as a lot of guys, not quite in the same breath that we're talking about. Like Justin Tucker. Has like taken kicking to this yeah. other, other other level. Yeah, yeah, right. And and there are a couple of other the kid from the Cowboys is the latest iteration, but he's an iteration of Justin Tucker, right? Um, LT uh, as a pass rusher, um, Deion Sanders as 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 a corner, um, Dick Butkus as a middle linebacker. I mean, we can go through a, a long list, but those guys change what the position looks like that's and, what i will say oh by the way i make all the patriot fans happy we probably have three of them on our stream right now but they'll be uh forever indebted to me for this adam van terry is the tom brady of kickers yeah johnny mac and i have both said if you're just looking at the pure talent if you're looking at the physical attribute aaron Rodgers might be the greatest quarterback of all time but when you factor in what happened on the field, Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback of all time. Even yes. though I'll give Aaron Rodgers more credit just for his physical gifts. Same thing with Benetari. Who do I think is the better actual physical kicker? Yeah, Tucker. Who's the greatest kicker of all time? Adam Benetari. Because he did it. He made those kicks in Super Bowls that won championships. And I don't think he can take that out of the conversation. No, it's, a, it's an important thing. It's part of being in situations, right? That's... You were put in the situation and you succeeded. I will say, however, I always think of Terry and how great he was and the snowball game and those kicks that, you know, barely make it inside the, the goalpost. If people go back and look at Sebastian Janikowski in that same game. Yeah, yeah. Sebastian Janikowski, and I, I think he felt like, oh, this is like kicking in Poland again. That's where he's <laughs> literally from. He's like, oh, yeah, this feels fine. I mean, he nailed. <laughs> like two or three kicks in that game, right? I mean, he's just—it's in snow and it's a blizzard and it's everything, and 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 
and Minotaur is falling over and all this, and Janikowski just like, boom, I'm splitting the uprights every time. It was just, he was awesome in that game. But as good as Janikowski was, he didn't make the big kicks that Vinatieri did. I mean, because he wasn't given those opportunities to make them, and Vinatieri was, and he made them. Yeah. Um, say the same thing about Brady. All right, uh, Eagles, yes, they fired their defense coordinator officially, even though they fired him like seven weeks ago and let him keep his title for spits and giggles. Um, it seems like it's coming down heavy on blaming the Eagles defense on all this, Jason. And their offense came up small over the last uh, month mm-hmm. and a half and the collapse it was the Philadelphia Eagles. Are the Eagles making a mistake by not just cleaning house and saying, we got to start all over with a brand new coaching staff? Um, what do you mean, cleaning Sirianni? You're yes. Yeah. About? Yeah. No, I, I, I wouldn't fire Sirianni. I, and I wouldn't fire the entire staff. This is still guys. They, they, they made, A, they made the playoffs. B, they were in a Super Bowl you know, 12 months ago. So let's not... Let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Um, okay. Uh, be a little bit more patient. I mean, this is not Chip Kelly falling apart, right, um, while on the job um, and not being able to relate to players. Now, I think there's some concerns concerns about that from afar. Okay, I don't cover the team in the locker room on a regular basis and don't, and I don't talk to the players. So I don't know if it's they've tuned out. Sirianni and the coaches, or they just turned tuned out these two coordinators, and they're not exactly sure what's going on, right? But um, you know, there are things to to be mindful of. But as Fletcher Cox said last week, like this is a coach who got us through, you know, into into the playoffs again, and they've been to the playoffs three straight years with them, and they've turned this team around and been consistent. I wouldn't just because the last seven weeks went really, really bad. I wouldn't do that, but I would do a strong evaluation of, okay, you made a transition from two coordinators to bring in two very young coordinators, and maybe you were asking too much of two young coordinators and not thinking it through about, you probably would have wanted to bring in an older coordinator, at least one of those two posts. Like, would you think think it over again and say, would you have brought in Wade Phillips? you know, to be, you know, a bridge coordinator for a year or two, and even though he's in his 70s, and say, at least I'm at least I'm covered on one side of the ball as I get the other side of the ball in order with a young coordinator. Did you take on too much, Nick, by bringing in two young guys who were ready for the position? And then when you made the transition to Patricia, it was, you know, too late, and his style doesn't really work very well either. So you would have been better off Bringing again an older, established guy who didn't have a learning curve. Yeah, continuity is a, a a big thing with me, Jason. Around the league, you know, if you look at everybody's got a shelf life. Even Bill Belichick had a shelf life. Uh, you know, it was a quarter century, but he had a shelf life. And you know, Pete Carroll's gone in Seattle, but. So we look at the longest tenured head coaches right now, mm-hmm. and it's Mike Tomlin. He's never had a losing season. Mm-hmm. Um, John Harbaugh, who's got the best team in the AFC. Or if he doesn't, Andy Reid does. He's next. Mm-hmm. Then you go down to Sean McDermott, playoff coach. Kyle Shanahan's got the best team in the NFC, we all think. Sean McVay made the playoffs again. Zach Taylor, Matt LaFleur. 
in good situations. Obviously, Zach had an issue with Joe Burrow getting hurt, but we all know how good Cincinnati is. Why do these owners not realize continuity? Because we're in Philadelphia talking about a coach with a 667 winning percentage and three consecutive postseason berths, as you mentioned. Oh, get him out of here. Throw the baby out with the bathwater. Continuity proven is wins in this league. Wrong or wrong? Well, it works if you have an organization. I mean, if you know what you're doing, right? The, the, the inverse of this is Dave Tepper. And where's Carolina going? I mean, he's firing coaches left and right. Exactly. You know, he's, fire, he's firing coaches after basically half of a season with a new with a new quarterback after making a, a truckload of trades. You know, like Frank Reich is a good coach. He may not be a great coach, but he's a good coach, and he's a good teacher of quarterbacks. And that's the kind of guy I would want to have around. Fix the other problems before you just fire him. And now you've got a second voice. And really going to have probably a third voice in in the year of, of Bryce Young. And he's been on the job less than a year. Like that's counter, that's counterintuitive to making a player better. So you're right about continuity. You just why do we not have it in this league? Because everybody's so desperate to win. I mean, you're talking about people who are incredibly successful, right? And they don't necessarily have patience um, for losses, and they don't understand that this is a zero-sum game. Everybody ends up coming out 500 for the entire league when you really look at it. And just because you're not winning 10 or 11 games every year doesn't mean you haven't reached some kind of success. You know, look at what we've done with Dan Campbell. They had a plan for how they were going to get to this point. I don't think Dan Campbell's the greatest coach in the world, but he had a plan and he put it in place and he was doing something that was different than everybody else. And they followed the plan. Even when things were a little bleak the first half of last year, they were in year two of the Dan Campbell era and they weren't good. Now all of a sudden they're in an NFC championship game because they stuck with the plan. All right, so let me ask you about a guy John mentioned here, um, and that is the head coach of the Buffalo Bills, Sean McDermott. Uh, my partner on CBS Sports Radio, Zach Gelb, had uh, Jim Harbaugh going across the peninsula to take over the Bills when they were 6-6. Six and six. It was a lock that it was going to happen. And then he rips off six in a row, wins the division, the two-seed, all is well. And then yesterday, how big a bullet did he dodge by the way things laid out? He goes for it on fourth and five in his own end. Fake mm-hmm. punt on fourth and five in his own end on a game that is hanging in the balance. But Kansas City turns it right back to him on the fumble. And then yes, wide right to end the game. Does the couple of things that happened after he made that monumental mistake of going for it on fourth and five. Well, it, that's not his call. Ball? That's not his call. That's an audible call. That's an audible call because there's only 10 guys on the field. And you're supposed to block it. It's that's an execution mistake, not a not a bad call necessarily. Um, and sometimes you make the right call and they just don't work. Okay, so when there's ten so guys on the field, on DeMar, we're putting on Demar Hamlin on that one. Yeah, no. so it's a it's a call at the line. It's it's it, look that there are certain things that you audible to, and yes, it was it was you know it was not well executed. Okay. 
And you can even see when Hamlin went back and forth and back and forth, you know, he's essentially counting the players on the field going, which direction do I go on this one and trying to figure it out, which was the unfortunate tell for it. But that's, that's the, that's the audible at the call at the line of scrimmage on that play. And I don't have that big a problem with that. Sometimes you have to take a chance. And in fact, I was thinking, what is the chance that they're going to have to take to regain momentum in this game? There's a, there's a Jimmy Johnson element of this, of how you manage a game and understanding that Kansas City, you've got to, you've got to deliver a punch to the gut somewhere, somewhere along the line to try and get them off the game. And they hadn't done that yet. You know, like they came in and they had the 15-play drive, you know, in the third quarter right after the score by Kansas City. And you thought, okay, they've regained momentum. And it didn't Kansas City came right back and scored again on them. So I think in the grand scheme of managing the game, it wasn't necessarily the worst thing in the world, but it was executed incredibly poorly. Um, the, The team didn't look like it was really ready for that for that moment, even though they've obviously practiced it. And yes, they got a little bit lucky that they got the fumble through the end zone because this one could have gotten away. This is the way the games play out. I thought that, you know, Sean McDermott doesn't quite know the last bit of how to manage a game, how to steal a possession. They've gotten they they spent they struggled all year long to get Josh Allen under control. They struggled all year long to get Josh to understand, stop throwing the ball up for grabs and we can win games, right? And yesterday, the problem with yesterday is he didn't turn the ball over with, with a, with an interception. He did, he did fumble and he came close on one, one interception, but you know, everybody comes close on one interception here that, that happens, mm-hmm. right? But they really worked hard with Josh Allen. Get your priority straight of, play clean football and take chances at the right times, you know, like the, the third and 10 deep throw to, you know, to, uh, um, Sherfield, Sherfield, the one that Sherfield that he almost caught, you know, that, that was a, you know, that's a obvious high percentage play, not high percentage play, but it's a wise percentage play. Look, if you throw it deep and if it gets interception, it's, it's, it's basically a punt, right? you're able to live with that. He's gotten those things under control, but he still didn't win this game. So you wonder what, with McDermott, the biggest thing I worry about in this one is, is it going to take another half of a season to get Josh Allen's brain under control that he doesn't have to do everything? Yeah, Like the, you, you just make the plays and be ready for the great plays that you have to make. Like when you're scrambling to the left, and you throw that one in the corner of the end zone, and that's as fabulous a throw as you're going to see any quarterback in this league make. That one that he's making on the run that he throws in the left corner, left front corner of the end zone, like that's just, you know, Perfect. that's a throw that, that gods make, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, By the way, the that, one that digs, Jason, that went through Diggs' hands, that's one of the great throws in that weather. Yeah. Put it up that that I, I mean Diggs has got to make that catch, and that's a great receiver, and he's not picking yeah. up his quarterback. Yeah, I mean there's blame to go around, but the one thing I worry about the you know, look, it sucks for them that they lost this game, and you wonder how what what's McDermott gonna do to, to finally flip these game, games around because Kansas is not going anywhere. 
you still got to get through Kansas City to get to the Super Bowl. You got to figure out how to win these games. But the subset of that, which is really critically important, is is Josh Allen going to understand that he has doesn't have to do it by himself because they struggled so much. They, I mean, they fired a really good offensive coordinator earlier this year um, to to make a statement basically to Josh Allen: "You're not getting it done." We're going to get another guy in your ear who's going to tell you basically the same thing. You know, like it wasn't a different message. It was just a different messenger yeah. telling you the same thing. Stop throwing interceptions. When we, no, we I, stop I think, and win. Jody can tell you, I think I would say Josh Allen is the toughest player to deal with in the NFL from my perspective, but he's way too reckless. I say it all the time. He's way too reckless, but yeah, man, he's going to turn yeah, he's tough to deal with. All right, so I, I want to follow up on something that Jason just said. So are you telling me the Eagles should hire Ken Dorsey as their new offensive coordinator, let Brian Johnson go? You said they fired a very good offensive coordinator to bring in Brady. Uh, look, I don't you know what Dorsey's that are. good? I don't know. He's still young, but I think he is very good. Look, they okay. got they were very productive. They were very productive a year ago with Josh Allen. And they were he was still productive for most of this year. His problem was the interceptions, right? And they were, I think they were on the way to doing all the things that um that Joe Brady eventually did. They just lost patience with him. Um, I think I don't know if I I, I don't know what the issues specifically are with Brian Johnson. I know that the offense looks like it's stale. I know that they're they they look like they need, you know, to to take a step forward in terms of how they mix plays, how they get Jalen Hurts ready for certain games, how they get the most out of Jalen Hurts. But I don't know if there's a plan in place that Johnson's just behind on. That's the and that's the hard part of not covering a team every day. It's mm-hmm. hard for me to know. Is the guy capable and knows what he's doing, or is he making a is he making the transition worse because he's not really ready for the job? And if he's not ready for the job, then you hire Ken Dorsey. Um, and you let Brian Johnson go back and develop a little bit more. Obviously, Brian Johnson didn't have a lot of time um, at the NFL level before he took that job. At Jason Cole 62, make sure you follow uh, Jason on X, Twitter, uh, whatever you like to call it. Um, uh, last one for me, Jason. I'm, I. That's obviously very emotional when you lose your final game in the playoffs. But if I'm the Houston Texans and Green Bay Packers today, and I take a step back, I like where I am. I was really impressed with C.J. Stroud. Just the composure, and even though they got blown out in the second half, Baltimore's a really good team. And Jordan Love, this run, and and Green Bay's so young with those young receivers. Man. I would say Green Bay is the most spoiled fan base in the world because they had like 30 consecutive years of Hall of Fame quarterback play. I'm not going that far with Jordan Love, but I think they got it right again with Jordan Love. Yeah, they did. And, you know, young kid who got some training. And most important thing for the second half of the season, you know, particularly from the Thanksgiving Day game on, like the game was never too fast for Jordan Love. Um he never got out of sorts until, of course, the very last play that he made. Which was very far like 
very far thrown. It was, yeah, it, it screamed Brett Favre. First down, <laughs> crossbody yeah. on the on the move to the right. Like you just sit there and go, okay, the ghost of Brett took over George Love <laughs> for you know, like just there was a seance going on in the huddle, and Brett is like. Brett comes in and takes over the mind of Jordan Love. It's like, <laughs> dude, just throw the ball away, man. Like, you're just—it's first down. You know, play. Live. You—you you got chased out out of the huddle. Everybody's covered. You can see from the the back end zone shot as you're watching him. Like everybody's covered. Not only is everybody covered, you know, close, you know, man to man to your side where you're going to. The guy who you end up throwing to's got three red jerseys around him. Not just one, not one, and he made an underthrow to that guy. There's two other guys, right men, you know, who, who are vicing him. So it's just, it's one of the worst throws you're ever going to see in that situation. But, you know, he had a brain cramp at that moment. And again, Favre took, took over his, his soul for a second. And that's what, that's what we saw. But everything else you saw for the second half of the season from Jordan Love was great progress and starting quarterback. And then you look at CJ Stroud, you're talking, of course, he's the rookie of the year and and just made throw after throw. Now, he took a few too many sacks in some games. The, that's some minor cleanup stuff. That, that's not major. And the most important thing, I think, for Houston is you got to get them some real weapons. They're playing with, you know, some receivers who are just guys and running backs who are just guys. I think you surround him with special people. Like, my, my thing with Houston is – I would spend this entire upcoming draft on offensive players and just say, we're going to do everything we can over the next year to two years to build on offense, whether it's free agency or the draft. And D'Amico, you do your best with the, the defensive side. We'll get you a guy here or there. But we want to build this offense around C.J. Stroud. The defense has got Will Anderson and some other, you know, other young guys. But the priority is make sure we've got guys around the quarterback. All right, Jason, last one for me. When uh, you get together with your cohorts, a.k.a. Hall of Fame selectors, pretty good group to be part of, um, and Eric Allen's name comes up, someone will verbally present him and make an argument for him. Will you verbally add to it? Will you argue against it? Oh, you just sit back, take in all the information and make your educated call as to whether Eric Allen is or isn't a Hall of Famer. Um, I will listen. Um, I saw enough of Eric, but not enough regularly of Eric to comment one way or the other. Um, I need to hear the argument. It's, it's Paul Dama, which is going to present him. Yeah. Yep. yeah Paul Dama will pre present him. And he'll do a really good job. He did a great job with Brian Dawkins. Um, he's done a great job with others. Um, and we've already gotten a number of letters and endorsements. I think there were two powerful endorsements that were made for Eric Allen. One was from Troy Aikman. The other one was from Phil Sims. And I value what those guys say um, because they're not guys. Like there are certain people who pump guys for the Hall of Fame, you know, with like a snap, like they're snapping fingers um, and just say anything about anybody. Troy Aikman and Phil Sims aren't. And they're not those type those of guys. guys. Good to hear. Yeah, like I remember, who was it? Who was the uh, Bryant Young, the defensive tackle from the 49ers. So I questioned, you know, is this guy worthy of being a Hall of Famer or not? And I, I didn't know because I, you know, I saw his career, but I didn't see it on a regular. You know, I didn't see it as regularly at that point in time. Um, Kevin Gogan, who I've known for a long time, 
who's never endorsed anybody <laughs> called me out called me out of the blue and said brian Young belongs in the hall of fame and i was like good enough for me Go, like goes gogan, a long gogan, way because <laughs> gogan yeah. for people who don't understand gogan, gogan hates everybody okay? <laughs> uh, and i did not know yeah and i've told Gogan like for you yeah for you to step up and talk to a guy because i know you hate everybody and he just laughed when i said that to him and yeah. i said that during the meeting i go that 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 endorsement carries a lot of weight because that's a guy who played a long time really understood the history of football understood what guys you know what guys were about and doesn't just pump up everybody um for the hall of fame yeah. so so that means a lot you know, uh, former cowboy eight. Kevin Gogan, so Eagles fans, uh, yes, um, played, yeah. played a number of places, yeah, um, San Francisco, I believe, yeah, yeah, San Francisco, Miami for a little while. One of the meanest dudes in the history of, yeah, and, and, <laughs> and intimidating as all hell. Um, just, just an old, curmudgeonly tough guy playing yeah, yeah, interior yeah. offensive line, but yeah, that meant a lot. So, again, Sims Aikman means a lot for Eric Allen. We'll see how it goes. Glad to hear that uh, from an Eric Allen standpoint. I'm a, I've been lobbying for him for 20 some odd years. So maybe this is the year. Uh, Jason, always fun talking to you. Thanks for insight today. We'll get you back on uh, as the uh, season off season rolls through. Uh, thanks okay. for jumping in with us today. Anytime, guys. Thanks. Jason Cole, long time <clears throat> NFL columnist and Hall of Fame selector. So He's got duties before the month comes and goes in helping out select the new Hall of Fame committee. Hey, that's good news for Eric Allen. Yeah, Roy Aikman, Phil Sims, baby. Yeah, that's as good as it gets. First, it's players, and then don't kid yourself, the fact that Aikman's calling the games and Sims is on CBS every single week in the postgame. But I, I that, like that the That gives fact them that... gravitas. <clears throat> the, member, the fact that they're still major, important members of the media – they're not just yeah. great ex-quarterbacks. They're great ex-quarterbacks with a platform. And if they went to bat for Eric Allen, that speaks very well for Eric Plus, Allen. that's good to hear from Jason. Because there's certain guys, let's be honest, that everybody's great. Everybody, yeah, everybody. That if, if you're very selective with who you uh, recommend, I think that says even more. So I think that's Our other guy point. like that is uh, Clark Judge. Tough yeah. grader. Clark is tough. Uh, yeah. Jason and Clark are both tough graders when it comes to Hall of Fame. All right, McMullen, McDonald, quick timeout, come back, put a ball on the show. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. They're carving them up and good play calling along the way. First and goal at the six.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. All right, we're running a little late because Jason joined us a little bit late, so we got to wrap this bad boy and get out of the way for the power hour. Bill Colorulo coming up next. All right, Johnny Mac, last thing, percentage question. Percentage chance before we hit the airwaves again here on Birds 365 in 22 hours, we find out Brian Johnson's not the offensive coordinator of Philadelphia Eagles. Zero. Zero. Um, Hard zero. Hard zero. Even even if the Eagles want to move on from Brian, and I don't think they want to necessarily, um, even if they want to, they wouldn't, they're not going to do it while he's still interviewing with head coaching positions um, because they don't want to, they don't want to screw over his chances would be my, my assumption. So I don't think they would do it from the timing aspect and it would kind of be a shitty thing to do from the timing aspect. No, then I'll give him credit for doing the right thing by a guy who they hired and developed and everything else. But I, I hope they don't miss out on anybody. If there's anyone else out there that they, I guess I could have off the record conversations, but um, you're probably right. Um, uh, sorry, I'm I'm not move, moving off the fact that I think the Eagles need a massive change on the other side of the ball. And if you're keeping Sirianni, something's got to happen. And uh, Johnson, for me, would be the guy they should replace. But you're probably right. Too classy an organization to do that to him right now. We shall see. We're back here in 22 hours. John McMullen, Joe McDonald, right back here tomorrow on Birds 365 and 2 and 2. You've been listening to Birds 365. <laughs> 
the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365.